ministry areas, and we're continuing to provide opportunities for people to gather, um, both online and in person, in safe environments, so that we can continue our journey towards the Lord. So first, men's ministry is going to be meeting this Wednesday night at 6.30, right back here. There will be more information on the website this evening, just details about it. The thing I've noticed between men's and women's, men's are they're a little last minute. And so we just decided yesterday that we were going to do something on Wednesday, but it works for us. So uh, make sure you catch that information. You might have already received an email about it. If you've got any questions, go to the website. There's a link that you can push, and you can go straight to the men's ministry coordinators. They'll answer any of those questions. Youth ministry is also starting back up. They've kind of been going for a little while, but we're going to be gathering and doing a Bible study around a TV series, movie series, series, what is it called? Well, I know it's called The Chosen, but is it like a TV series? I don't know. Um, so it's a series, and it's called The Chosen, and there's going to be on the website and in the group me stuff, all of the devotionals that you'll need, all that will be posted tonight. Um, I don't know, kids, Iker, did you get that in group me yet? You guys have finished your, your devotional already? No. Yes, one did. And so that's going to be starting up. The signups are also on the website in the ministry section. You can go in there. We've expanded the number a little bit so that we can make sure we have a few more kids attending, but you still need to sign up. If you've got questions about any of that, make sure you go and email Braden and Allie. There's a link in there. You just push email the ministry um, team for youth stuff, and they'll email you back straight away. Um, and then lastly, I'm going to have Amanda come up and just share a little bit about women's ministry. Hi. This is so crazy to be here and so empty. This is definitely different than how it normally is. Um, I'm thrilled to see your faces, thrilled to say hi to so many of you. Um, I wrote this down because I am notorious for forgetting things when I get up in front of a microphone. So I wanted to let you know um, we are going to be doing a women's happy hour on Thursday night starting this Thursday night, hosted by me, and it's going to be a Zoom. So please email uh, women at hillsidecommunity.org for that information. And every it's going to be kind of a light opportunity. This is connection and seeing each other's faces and getting to know what's going on in your lives and kind of starting to process what's happened to us these last six months. So this very first Thursday, um, I just want to talk about what is something new that God has brought into your life during this whole COVID experience? What is something new that you've learned? One thing, just one thing, like one powerful thing that you've learned. Maybe you've um, been able to be more patient in one area that you never thought you could and God's given you this like opportunity to extensively practice patience or um, maybe you've learned to do a new skill or something but I want to hear about it what's been what's one thing that's been new that God's brought to you um, so that's going to start this Thursday night September 3rd at 5 30 uh, and then okay starting September 12th Andrea Flack and Jane Banzaff are going to be hosting their Saturday morning Bible study. This is, uh, they're going to be continuing studying through Romans. There'll be some review, and then they're going to pick up where they left off. So if you haven't joined them for that first part, I don't, that's not going to be a big deal at all. Uh, they are going to do every other week 
the first week on the 12th is going to be Bible study. The following Saturday is going to be just fellowship time. And when I say fellowship, I mean just sharing about what God's doing in your life and sharing stories and just, just really having more community experience. If you are over Zoom, I know you're out there, people. I know some of you have been on Zoom nonstop, and you're like, Amanda, one more Zoom meeting, I can't do it. I'm really excited to let you know that Kim Schuler is going to be hosting a Bible study in real life. So this is going to be um, Monday nights starting September 21st. It's going to be here at church with all the social distancing protocols. There will be a limit on how many people can attend just because of that, but um, I just wanted to give you the opportunity. I know you're out there if you're just over it. Um, she is going to be going through this book. It's called Uninvited, and it was written by Lisa Turkhurst. So if you know her, uh, the caption on this is living loved when you feel less than, left out, and lonely. Um, and I just wanted to read just a teeny tiny bit. Okay. Um, so in Uninvited, Lisa shares her own deeply personal experiences of rejection. The enemy wants us to feel rejected, left out, lonely, and less than. Right now, this is what's happening. We are more isolated than ever. And it's not necessarily because you're uninvited. It's because of this moment. And so maybe you are feeling more left out. Maybe you are in a place that is lonely and you're feeling less than. And that is not where our, where our God wants us to live. So this is a pretty powerful book. Kim's going to be leading um, a study that's going to last the entire year. So it's going to be the first and third Monday nights starting on that 21st date here at church at 7 o'clock. Uh, if you want to know more about this book, kind of how everything is going to shake out, um, you can join me and Kim on a Zoom, maybe the last Zoom that you will do, um, but we're going to do an info night tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. If you want the link, email me at women at hillsidecommunity.org. Our website is really our hub, so if you have any questions about anything, we're, we're really trying to be very proactive about updating the website, so please join us on the website, there's a, there's a link to email me, and I will get you all the Zooms. All right. Love you guys. Thanks, Amanda. Yeah, we're trying to make sure that all the information is on the website. It's pretty dynamic right now. Just keep going there. If you've got ideas or things that you're not finding on the website, let me know. We'll make sure we get, continue to make it updated and really practical for everything that's going on. So let's, uh, let's just bow our heads, pray for the morning as we move into worship. Father God, we thank you for who you are. I'm just thankful that you are a God that cares deeply and loves us in only the way that you can. Father, I pray for this morning, as Paul says in his prayer, that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we would know you more. I feel like this message today and just this time is going to be an extension of what it means to know you more. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would engulf our hearts. For those that are followers of Jesus, you would just continue to reveal the way that this should look. If there's people watching now or participating this morning that do not have a relationship with you, God, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would convict hearts, that you would move people towards salvation, towards the gospel message of reconciliation with God. Father, we love you and we thank you. Amen.
Amen. Let's stand and sing together.
Thank you for this time. Thank you that we are here together and that we can sing your praise and just be a community. We ask that um, our praises would just be like, like incense to you, that it would be pleasing to you this morning. Thank you that you are our, our refuge and our shield. We ask that you would just strengthen us this morning as we hear about your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. again. How are you guys? I realized that over the last four Sundays we've had all four of our main um, teachers up front. So if you're like coming here for the first time, like I know you guys have just started, you're like, who's, who's actually teaching here? <laughs> who are all these people? That's kind of the nature of who we are. We think it's important to continue to share um, from many perspectives about the importance of what scripture brings to us. So I'm Kevin. Um, I'm also one of the teaching pastors here. So I'm excited to be able to 
to be here and walk us through a, what I think is a pretty dynamic and actually fairly exciting section of Scripture. And a lot of times people think when you, you start t- talking about spiritual warfare, they're like, oh my goodness, are you worried? Are you afraid? And uh, I'll be honest, there were times where I, I was, where I was like, I didn't even really want to speak Satan's name or mention the devil. But I also thought that now as I'm, I'm maturing and understanding more of the depths of what this looks like, we have to. We have to be aware. We have to know who the enemy is. We have to study the enemy. And God has fortunately given us some very practical tools to use. So as we go into this, we're going to be just taking a really small section. In two weeks, Sean Bowen is going to be following up with some of the details of what the armor of God truly looks like. But today, we're just going to walk through what some of God's expectations are. So if you just join me, I'm going to read this to you. This is our section of scripture today. It's found in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. And it says this. Finally. He says finally because this is kind of the end. This is like one of the last main points. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, and it will, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, you will stand in the midst of what we learned today. But to start off, I think that we contend with this problem. It's a hilarious show. And the problem is we just don't recognize what it is that's going on around us. Or maybe we choose to not recognize it. Or maybe we have recognized it, but we've forgotten about it. Or maybe we're just too afraid of what it looks like and we look away. So Men in Black is a, is a funny show. I think there's three of them out now. And what it is is a group of government officials And they go around and they understand that this world is populated by aliens, but they're managing the aliens so no one else sees what's going on. And and when they do see it and they see something that they shouldn't see, they come up with this like zapper thing and zaps their eyes and they kind of snap back. And then they tell them the real reality of what they just witnessed. And what they witnessed wasn't what they just witnessed. It's a lie that's been given to them. And I think in our spiritual world, we approach spiritual warfare like this. We would like to not think that it exists because it might seem intimidating. It might seem a little overwhelming and even a little bit scary. So when Trish and I were talking about this, she says, it's just like Men in Black. And I was like, you're right. It is. It's like this crazy story where you're walking around and all of this exists around us, but we just don't see it or we choose to ignore it. Today, I hope that we address this problem. I hope that we lean into this in the way that Christ Jesus would want us to. These are the objectives today. This is what I hope you kind of grab a hold of. There's three of them. Understanding God's expectation for you, which really comes in a form of a command. He's telling us exactly what he wants from us. Then we're going to understand more of the spiritual battleground. We're going to clarify what this really looks like. And then the proper strategy in the battle, the application side of this, the The point where we say, okay, now what do we do within this? So these are the three things that hopefully you're going to understand God's command, God's clarification, and then the application as you go out of here. This was my first kind of step into who's read this book, right? 
did it freak the tar out of you? I mean, I, I was not a, a believer when I read this. I was just coming into faith, and I was struggling through it, and we read it. It came, came out like in 1986, and it's a powerful representation, um, not totally theologically correct, but there's some things in there that I really grabbed a hold of because it painted the picture, and it takes place in a small town, not very unfamiliar with what Golden might look like, with a church and pastors and people moving around, and also a, a, a spiritual force that is trying, trying to thwart what it is that God's doing. And it walks through this story of this incredible battle that occurs between the heavenly realm and the physical realm. And it paints a picture in a good way because what it did for me was it just let me understand that, yes, this is happening. This is an environment that we need to contend with and be aware of. My first inclination around this was fear. I was like, whoa, <laughs> I don't want to deal with that because that sounds pretty gruesome and that sounds pretty crazy. But what I realized in that approach was I was ignoring the true battlefield. Me ignoring it doesn't stop it from still happening. Me choosing to look away from it doesn't change it from still impacting what is going on in and around us on every day. So I think today will be a challenge. It might intimidate some of us. It might open our eyes in ways that we've never been opened before. It will illuminate the work of what the enemy is doing around you right now. And the challenge will be, how do we respond from this? What I want you to really allow yourself to do is find God's victory and rest in that victory, the victory for his children that have chosen to follow him. So when we come to these kinds of things, you've got to be reminded who you are when you walk into it. You've got to be reminded that the Lord is with you, always will be with you. And as the song we're singing, nothing's going to take that away. That is where we are as we walk into this conversation. We're going to cast all of our fears and all of our anxieties upon him because in this message, he has a very clear answer for us. So the first one, the command, it's taken right out of the very first part of this verse. This is finally, this is talking straight to you. Be strong in the Lord, period. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, there's three parts to this command. The first one is be strong. Be strong in what? His mighty power. Not our mighty power, but his mighty power. Then he tells us the second part. Put on. Well, what do I put on? The full armor of God. And then the third part of it, it says to take your stand. Well, against what? The schemes of the devil. So we're challenged to be strong in his mighty power. Strength that comes from him, not from us. He's not telling us here to cower in the corner. He's not telling us to not talk about this. He's not telling us to ignore this. He's telling us to be strong in my mighty power. Don't ignore my truth. Don't lean on your understanding and your weakness, but lean upon my truth and my strength. And in that, he gives us clearly what the source of that power is. Now, we've gone through this. We've been going through Ephesians. So if, if you've been on that journey with us, you're going to know very clearly that the power comes from God. His strong and mighty power is established because of what God has done through Christ Jesus and then the sending of the Holy Spirit. The first part in Ephesians 1, 3 says... Blessed and worthy of praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. He's blessed you 
with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. Everything that you're going to need has been bestowed upon you because of what Christ has done. Everything. Ephesians 3.16. And out of his glorious riches. Now, not mine, not what I've got in my savings account, not what I've got hidden, hidden away anywhere, but his riches. He's pretty rich. He's got access to everything. May his strength be with you, the power through his spirit that lives within you, so that we can understand that that dwelling place is the spirit living in this. So we've talked a lot about just you walk around and you've got the power of the Holy Spirit within you. This discernment that comes from God, this is the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now dwells in those that believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. That's the power. He's the one that's going to tell you exactly what the throne room of God is speaking of. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all we would dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. So the power here is key. And in this, he's telling us to be strong in God's mighty power. I think for us, oftentimes, if you're like myself, I tend to look at where my power is, what I can fix, what I can do, what I can accomplish. And that's the wrong approach in spiritual warfare. Now think about this. You wouldn't outfit yourself with the wrong kind of attire, would you, if you were going to do something. So say I'm going to play soccer. I probably wouldn't wear a swimming outfit, right? Probably wouldn't work. Be kind of silly. You hope not, right? You probably wouldn't arrive at work in pajamas, unless it's pajama day at school. I suppose that's okay. You probably wouldn't go skiing in blue jeans, unless you're from... Texas. (laughs) Texas. <laughs> so there's things that just seem kind of silly to us. Like I would not show up to a soccer field in my Speedo ready to play soccer. It's not the right kind of attire. We, however, show up to the spiritual battle with the wrong kind of attire. We show up thinking we're wearing the right stuff, but when actually we're not. And we look kind of silly and God's just like, Kev, why are you wearing jeans when you're skiing? Man, that's not, that's not the right outfit. We've got the right outfit. So in that, he wants us to put on the full armor of God. I've got relatives in Texas. I apologize if you watch this. So he tells us, in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God. So to put on the full and whole armor of God is to apply all of the gospel to your life. The whole armor is the expression of your full trust in God. And what he has done for you through Jesus Christ. Your victory in spiritual warfare was secured at the cross of Christ and in the blood that was shed there. I do think that the daily suiting up in the armor of God can feel a bit abstract, but with prayer and practice, Christians can better understand and implement habits of putting on the full armor of God. I said it before two weeks from now, Sean's gonna be teaching on this. 
and he's going to unpack what that armor looks like. It's very specific, and when you look at it, it, a lot of people think it's because he's hanging out in this world with a bunch of Roman soldiers. No, all of this armory comes all the way back from the Old Testament. He's going to tie us into what this armory looks like. Now, of course, Paul was around Roman soldiers, so he understood that, and it made sense to the people he was writing to, but the richness of what this looks like to put on the full armor of God goes all the way back into Genesis, all the way back into the Israelites and all the way back into the prophets of old, talking about how we need to put on the right kind of attire so that we can take a stand against the devil's scheme. So this is the third point of his command. So that we can take a stand against the schemes of the devil. Now this is pretty unique. We are not unaware. There's actually a listing and an understanding of what his schemes are. They are tried and they are tested. So 1 Corinthians 2.11, this is after kind of just relationally again talking about making sure that we deal with this appropriately. He says, make sure you get to a point of forgiveness because if you don't, you're going to be wrapped up into the devil's schemes. And in that, we have to do that so in order that Satan might not outwit us for we are not unaware of his schemes. So everyone in this room that's been walking with the Lord for a while, you're aware of his schemes. You see it. It might look a little bit different in Mike's world, might look a little different in my world, but it's still the same scheme. The scheme and the strategy of the devil is to move you away from God. Billy Graham says this. Someone once said that the devil doesn't need to think up any new tricks because the old ones still work. It's true. Lust, pride, power, discouragement, doubt, money, escapism, pleasure, hate, anger, jealousy, selfishness. The way he attacks us are almost endless. If one temptation doesn't work, guess what? He'll just try another, and he'll keep on trying. His sole purpose, and one he's practiced since the beginning of being cast to the earth by God, is to rob, steal, kill, and destroy you. And that's, that's what he wants to do. He wants to move you away from the truth that you know. Even though our victory was sealed at the cross through the blood of Jesus Christ, he is still trying to come against you. He still wants to distract you. He still wants to create schemes that move you away. Jesus says this in the devil's schemes. It's pretty obvious. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. It's his native language. For he was a liar, and he is the father of lies. So a lot of what the enemy will do is he will bring things to us that might have a semblance of God. He might bring things to us that make us think that it is good, but he's lying about it. I, I look at all the things that are good. Like food, good. Eat too much, not so good. Sex, good. In the right context. Out of the context, bad. So the enemy will take all of these things that God has created to be good, thwart them, lie about them, distort them into things that we think are good and have a semblance of good, but in the end are moving us away from our Lord. His schemes are creative. So we, we have to be, oops, I put the same verse on there. So this is the second one. This is Peter 5a. We have to be alert and of sober, sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, to devour. So when you think about his schemes, he's been doing this for forever, since mankind was on the earth. And he's probably gotten pretty good at it, right? 
unfortunately. He knows what works, he knows what doesn't work, and what doesn't work with someone, he'll just employ another technique. His goal is to constantly come against you. So our goal should be to constantly stand in what we know to be true, to be strong and courageous, to stand in God's mighty power, and not think that just because we ignore it, it's not happening, which it's kind of encouraging to think about, right? It's not something scary to think about. If you play sports, you don't show up and, and play a game and just hope that the other team doesn't come, right? I mean, maybe you do if your team sucks. <laughs> Hoping for a forfeit today. That's not what we're talking about. We show up, we practice, we strategize, we look at the enemy, we figure out what their schemes are. We wanna go out and we wanna win. That's part of what we're talking about. Every morning when you wake up, you are beginning the next battlefield. So he says this, the command to remind us is this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So now that we understand this, we understand the command, what God wants from us. The next point is just look at clarification. Like, what does this all look like? What does this all mean for us? And it says this. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So clarification is, guess what, all this exists. <laughs> so to start with, the clarification is our battle is not against flesh and blood, which is kind of interesting. In context, this is coming right after we talk about um, the roles of husbands, of wives, of children's, the working environment, like how do we treat other people? And then he says, finally, and you also think about it, like Iker, your two boys are your flesh and blood, right? That's not where your battle is. So in the family dynamic, our battle is not against each other. It's not against husband and wife, and it's not against your children. It's not against your friends and your family, the people that you do life with. It's not against the people that you work with. So you can take that flesh kind of concept and say it's not against each other, but it is against the authorities that are in and around us. It's important because we have to understand the reality of this battle. We have to know that an enemy is organized and designed to constantly come against you in everything that you do. C.S. Lewis writes this great book called Screwtape Letters. It's a culmination of about 31 different letters, and the, the plot in this is pretty simple. You've got wormwood, and screw tape. So screw tape is like the, the more advanced administrative demon in this story. And he is now training up Wormwood. And Wormwood is on his first kind of assignment to earth to try to thwart this individual from following Christ. So in the progression of this, you see these letters and screw tape is writing letters to Wormwood and he's telling him, now try this. Now this worked this way. And have you tried this? And Wormwood is kind of one of those guys that wants to like bring it at this dude. Like he wants to bring it hard and he wants it to be explosive. And, and what Screwtape says to him is like, actually, in my experience in this, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft under the foot, without sudden turning, without milestones, without signposts. And I think if I look at my life, I get that. We allow things subtly to come in. We might say, ah, it's just, that's not a big deal. But before you know it, the not a big deal has turned into three not a big deals. And so in this, we understand that in this really dynamic letter series, we see that there is actual order. 
What do you think? The demons don't like conspire. They don't think. They don't strategize. They don't come together and be like, hey, I'm seeing this working with Kevin. Let's kind of get together and see. So the reality of it is it does exist. And C.S. Lewis kind of paints the picture of how it might exist. I think we just assume that it doesn't. We assume that it's haphazard. We assume that it might be out there, but really they don't care about me kind of thing. Or really they're not that organized. Well, think about it. In your work or your school or whatever you do, do you have meetings? Do you have like staff meetings? Like you talk about things? You kind of create strategy? You have a plan in place? I'm guessing that the devil and his demonic forces probably do the same. And they've got a long list and a long history of ways that things have worked. Don't assume that they don't. There is a kingdom that is in conflict here. What we see is Paul very clearly outlines for us the fact that there is a kingdom in conflict. So we know that the kingdom of God exists. We see it right here in the verse we just read, but we also see it earlier in Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. He talks about you were once dead in your transgressions and sins. So we know that there's this kingdom of sin and transgression in the ways that we used to live when we followed the ways of this world. So there's also this kingdom of the world. And the kingdom of the world is any group of people that get together and start to make up ideals or structure that are contrary to that of God. Now look around you right now. There's a lot of worldly things going on. There's a lot of things that want you to start thinking that that's really important. And I'm going to put all of my energy into fixing that thing. Where is God in that thing? Might be important, yes. There might be some semblance of relevance to it, yes. But where is God in that? So the worldly order is there to design and structure us away from God's truth. It also talks about the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. So we can clearly see, and this might seem lopsided to some, but God has an answer for each and every one of these quadrants and kingdoms that are trying to come against his kingdom. So you've got this quadrant of flesh and sin, which is me. There's things that I might be doing that are setting up and establishing myself against God. So there's the kingdom of my flesh and my sin that I've got a battle against. But God's got an answer for that, right? It was Jesus. But it still doesn't mean I don't sin. First John really clearly tells us, you've got to be careful. You're still going to have sin in your world, and you're going to be tempted. And that's what the enemy does. He's going to try to throw out temptations at every corner to tempt you away from choosing God's stuff. The ways of this world, which are the rulers, the powers, and the authorities. And this isn't talking about like the mayor or anything, but those that are overseeing what's going on in the spiritual realm that are influencing apart from what God wants. The kingdom of the air, which is very clear uh, that it's the heavenly realm that, the, that Satan and his demonic forces move within. It's an unseen for us. It's kind of like the men in black environment, but it is there. And then there's the devil. The spirit that is at work within the disobedient. So all of these kingdoms you've got to be mindful of. And when you're approaching spiritual warfare, you've got to ask yourself the question, well, which of these kingdoms is this coming from? Because we can't blame everything solely on the devil. Some of it's actually your fault. Because you might be doing things that are disobedient. You might be doing things that are wrong and not in line with what God's expectations are for you. So ask yourself those questions. Where is this battle coming from? And then ask more of how do I address these other three areas? Daniel 10 
gives a pretty good look at this. This is a great verse that kind of clarifies a little bit of how this could look. So Daniel, he's, he's serving in, in, I think at this point, it's probably the Persian kingdom. Um, and it says this, he's been praying. He's been praying for a long time because he's frustrated about what's going on. He's frustrated about um, his people and returning to the temple and trying to figure out how do we get back to serving God. So he continues and an angel comes and says to Daniel this, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain wisdom and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom, so that's not the actual prince of the Persian kingdom, that's the prince, spiritually speaking, in the demonic realm of the kingdom that is called Persia, resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes of God in the heavenly realm, serving the Lord God Almighty, um, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain. So now all of that is gone. I've broken free from that battle. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the visions concerning a time which is yet to come. Now Daniel, in the midst of this prayer, as he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face down to the ground and was speechless. Then the one who looked like a man, which was the angel, touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of this vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength and said this, don't be afraid. You who are highly esteemed. He said, peace, be strong now, be strong. And I love this, because this is painting a picture. Now, Daniel, I mean, Daniel's Daniel, right? Daniel's a rock star in the Bible, and he prayed. And I think one of the things I take away from this is just the fact that in the midst of this prayer, um, it didn't happen like in five seconds, did it? Didn't like, God, please help me with this. Why didn't it happen? 21 days. Daniel specifically and ongoingly reverently prayed before God because of what he was experiencing. 21 days. And the angel was dispatched on the first day. The Lord heard the prayers. Well, how does this happen? Well, it says right here there was a battle. And the battle was ferocious. It went on for 21 days. And in the midst of that battle, this angel said, I need some help. Michael, help me. And the chief prince and the Lord's army came down and smited the process. And then the angel was able to go and respond to Daniel and give him very specific instructions about what he was seeing. But in the end of this, I love this. This is kind of what I want to aspire to in this. One who is highly esteemed. Be strong. So one of the things I get encouraged by in this is I want to be called that. I want to be able to move through this world and recognize and be recognized in the heavenly realm as one who is highly esteemed. To be able to say that I am someone following the Lord Jesus Christ and here's what it looks like. I've, I've been in a few situations. We were in Vegas. I've shared this story before. We were in Las Vegas. I was with the Flax. We weren't gambling. <laughs> but it was a gymnastics tournament. Gobs of gymnasts all over the place. We decided to go down to a Mexican restaurant a long ways away. And we're walking down the road. And I just in my mind said, I'm going I'm to walk in the back. 
because we got families and kids and we're just walking through Vegas, which is just a weird place to be walking through with kids, right? And so we're walking through it and all along and there's this dude up there selling CDs on the corner and one of the overpasses. And he's in the corner, he's just selling CDs, selling CDs, buy a CD, five bucks for a CD. I don't even know what he was selling. I got three or four feet from him and he stopped and he looked at me. He said, what do you want, Christian? And I was like, talking to me you know it's like one of those things and what do you want Christian I was like I want nothing we're just we're walking to dinner and just this face this look it changed it was apparent and as soon as I walked by three or four feet later went back to selling CDs so in my experience there are demonic forces I believed in that moment that because of who I was as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ the demonic recognized it and called it out I was walking in to see Sean a few months back I was in the parking lot, I was praying, I'm walking up to the hospital, St. Anthony's, and I'm just praying, like, God, just be with Sean. I mean, I love this guy, he's amazing, and this is awful what he's going through. And I'm walking up, and I'm about to enter in, and this guy walks by, and I'm praying in the back of my mind, I'm not praying out loud, I'm not praying verbally, and he looks at me, he goes, no God in the hospital. And I was like, I didn't even know what to say, I just kind of kept walking, I was like, uh, what's going on? And I took like five or six steps, and I turned around, he wasn't there. So I kind of went walking back. I was like, where'd that dude go? No cars. I didn't see anybody. Nowhere to go. And in that moment, I realized it was because I was praying. And the devil did not want prayer to go into the hospital. This is weird stuff, right? It's wonky. I can't explain it. But it happened to me. And I think that's part of what we're dealing with here, guys. This is real. This is happening. It's in Scripture. And I want you to start figuring out how to address it appropriately. Which brings us into the application. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Stand your ground. Put on the full armor of God when the day of evil comes. So these are tools that are far beyond our carnal perspectives or the battle that's familiar to our eyes. When I think of battle, I think of tanks and helicopters and planes and bombs and bullets. That's what I think of when I think of war. But heavenly, a divine arsenal in which we have been granted access by the blood of Jesus. Weaponry crafted by the Lord God Almighty to contend with the real battle that is before us. One fought in the landscape of the heavenly realm. Again, you probably wouldn't bring a knife to a gunfight, right? You probably wouldn't bring a sledgehammer to write a book. You probably wouldn't use a tractor for open heart surgery. These all, I mean, they sound absurd, don't they? <laughs> like, who's use a tractor for open heart surgery? But I think that is what we tend to do in the spiritual battle. That is what we're doing if we ignore this message today. You are simply fighting with the ridiculous and the useless. So as we approach this, I want to encourage you, don't be afraid. Pick up the weaponry that God has provided. Put on the full armor of God. Because when the day of evil comes, you're going to, be, you're going to need to stand. So it doesn't say if the day of evil comes. I don't think this is talking about one particular day of evil. I think this is like, hey, this week, or hey, today, or hey, tomorrow, when the day of evil comes. 
This is ongoing. Like This is something that you're going to have to contend with on an ongoing basis because we know that in Ephesians 5.16, Paul says, be careful. Don't be unwise, but as wise, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We live in a world right now that evil is all around us. And we were talking about that, Brian, just this morning. There are opportunities around you every day to choose God. There are opportunities to fight this in a spiritual way every day. So when you do it, I want you to stand your ground. I want you to be firm. So in the midst of this, you notice it doesn't stay um, any other distinctives here, but to stand. He doesn't say go out and find. He doesn't say try to pursue. He doesn't say uncover. He simply says stand. When the day of evil and the temptation comes against you, stand. In what? With what you know to be true. Sean's going to go through all this. It's, it's incredible stuff. Two weeks from now, you're going to be able to hear what we're standing with, all the reminders of what God has given us. The reason we need to stand, the reason that we just need to stand in what we know to be true is because the devil is not our focus. What's our focus? The Lord. The devil will find you. He and his demonic forces will, if they haven't already and aren't already, trying to approach you and con consistently attempt to move you away from the legitimate truth and actuality of God's purpose and his plan. Stand in the Lord. Stand in your identity rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stand with the power of the Holy Spirit filling your hearts and minds with the knowledge of God. Stand because you have everything that you need. So in this, command, we've been told, this is what we've got to do, guys. This is what this looks like. This is why in the clarification. So I think a lot of times we fight the battle here, and really the battle's over here. So now we know where the battle needs to be fought. When you're dealing with frustrating things, like anytime I'm dealing with issues with my kids or issues with how I've maybe hurt my wife, and I want to respond to it, how? Do I respond here or do I pray about it? Do I unleash the arsenal of things that I'm contending with first and then move into dealing with the physical things? Application. I think we can wake up every day. It, and like I said beginning, it might seem abstract, abstract. But when we wake up, when you're in the shower and you're brushing your teeth, remind yourself. Like literally look in the mirror and say, mm, I'm a child of God. Mm, righteousness. Mm, sword. I mean, you can do it if you want. It's a little dorky, right? So this is who I am. When you see yourself in the mirror, what do you see? That is clothing yourselves every day with the things that God wants you to be clothed with so that when you go out in the world or in your home, you are standing firm in what it is that you are through Christ Jesus. Amen? It's a lame amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that in the midst of this battle, one that I think I'm not always familiar with, I pray that you would just continue to move me into figuring out how to deal with this based upon what we heard today. Help me not be afraid. Just like Daniel was told by the angel, don't be afraid. You're Daniel. We know you. We love you. We got your back. Help us to move into this battle in an appropriate way. Help us to move into this battle knowing that we have everything that we need. 
that we would rest in your mighty power. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to look around. Maybe there's things that are going on that are from the demonic world, in our homes and relationships. I pray that we'd be able to identify them clearly and move them out. Places that maybe we've created footholds for the devil to move, we would remove them. We would be able to truly trust in you and just look to you, Father, for all things. We thank you. Amen.
darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus You silence fear Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus,
If you're not standing, let's go ahead and stand for this last song together. Save to 
this week. Thanks for being here. Mind students, welcome back. Good to have you. Well, we've seen a few of you already. But, um, we're going to dismiss in an orderly fashion to maintain cleanliness. Don't lick anybody on your way out. I'm looking at you, Owen. Um, so we're going to dismiss from the back. We've handed out wipes. Yes, I wish I had invested in Clorox six months ago. That would have been a wise investment. So wipe your chairs down. You can exit out any of the back doors or this side door over here if you're closer to the front. If you want to hang out and chit-chat, we've got grassy area out front or parking lot. Um, please stick around and hang out and chat a little bit. Glad you're here.